This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's learn more about what is happening around the funeral and burial for Queen Elizabeth II. And we can begin with some sound from Westminster Abbey. Michelle McQuig has been following along with the funeral all morning long, and Michelle is the weekend news editor at the Canadian Press. Good morning, Michelle. Funeral. <laughs> uh, Michelle, sorry, we, we you you may have you may have said something there, but we we caught, oh, we got sorry. too late. I just said uh, good morning and thank you for replaying one of my favorite moments from the funeral earlier this morning. Yeah, some of the music was actually some of the most stunning really part with, with the choir and, of course, the, the, the building of Westminster Abbey being 68 meters high. Oh. The refraction of the sound was certainly one of the one of the highlights of the morning. It was glorious. And that what you just heard there was a rendition of Love Divine, All Love's Excelling, which is an old hymn. Uh, it was actually played at William and Kate's wedding some years back. So it has a lot of significance for the family. Very traditional Anglican hymn. And it sounded particularly beautiful this morning in the Queen's in the context of this funeral. Michelle, there's a lot of places we can start this conversation, but I wonder if you can give me a sense of the scale, both inside and outside the building. Sure, yeah. Well, so inside the building, of course, it's a pretty uh, select group of people, uh, but 2,000 people were seated inside. They uh, had to go through some pretty tight airport-style security to get in, and so they, they were being escorted in about for a few hours leading up to the service, which got underway here around 6 a.m a.m. Eastern, 11 in local time in London. Outside, of course, were thousands and thousands of people who had who had come to to uh, you know be near the cathedral to watch the procession as it left and come in um, apparently during the service itself all these thousands of people stayed put and you could hear a pin drop in the streets uh, which is really remarkable when you think about that as people were just concentrating on watching the funeral from afar. Um, so that was, this has been an event that's drawn just a, an absolute mass of people to London in, in the days leading up to it. People were flocking in over the 10 days uh, of mourning that were that preceded this funeral. Uh, you probably saw reports in the days leading up to it that the queues for the lying in state that preceded all this sometimes had wait times of 24 hours plus. So uh, this really, really, really mobilized the city of London and brought people from near and far to pay their respects. Along those lines, Michelle, were you shocked by the scale of the public response in the UK? I think we knew it was going to be a big story. Did we know that the public response was going to be this big? Yeah, I personally was a little bit. I feel like in Canada where we might be uh, just a step or two removed from the, the, the sense of identity that the, the British people have with the, with their queen, even though all kinds of questions swirl about the monarchy, the, the fact that um, Elizabeth II was was a beloved figure is now just more evident than ever before. We've been hearing it for years to the point where I suspect some people might have taken that for granted, but we've really had tangible demonstrations of that fact over the past 10 days. Michelle, you and I both reflected off the top here about some of the music that was really moving at the funeral. Oh, what were some yeah, of the beautiful. other notable moments from the funeral? 
Yeah, well, uh, there were uh, analysts on CBC were quick to note, and this was interesting, that there were a lot more women participating in this kind of event than you might have historically seen, for, certainly for past uh, monarchy burials. Uh, we haven't seen any of those since the 50s, so obviously times have changed quite a lot since then. Uh, but that was a big one. Um, the procession leading out had some Canadian involvement in it. The RCMP and members of the Canadian Armed Forces were up near the front of the procession. So that was a nice moment for for Canadian involvement. Um, in the service itself, the service was, was, it was very streamlined and quite tightly scripted. Uh, there was an order of service that they stuck to the letter. I was following along as, my, as I watched it. That's the Brits the whole, for you. That's the yeah. Brits for you, straight and, and the whole the whole thing was it was done. The service itself was done in about an hour. And the procession leading out uh, only took an additional 20 to 30 minutes or so afterwards. And so the whole thing was really quite uh, concise and efficient. Who were some of the dignitaries in attendance? Uh, well, if we're talking about the Canadians, there was a pretty good delegation. Of course, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his wife Sophie Grégoire Trudeau were there. They were sort of leading the delegation officially. Uh, Governor General Mary Simon and her husband were there. But we've also had a lot of other past governors general and prime ministers in the contingent from Canada today. They were all in the cathedral. So if we're talking about people like Michael Jean and David Johnston from the past governors general. In terms of previous prime ministers, we have Jean Chrétien, who was sharing some uh, pretty entertaining anecdotes yesterday, actually, about his interactions with the Queen. Uh, Kim Campbell was there, Paul Martin was there, and uh, Stephen Harper. So that, those are the Canadian sort of political entities that were part of the delegation. We had a few others, people who were invested in the Order of Canada quite recently, so people like gold medal swimmer Mark Tewksbury and Sandra Oh, the actress that so many are familiar with, and uh, Gregory Charles was, was part of this mix as well. So a fairly diverse delegation from Canada, to say nothing of, of the people I mentioned a little bit earlier, meaning the Mounties and the uh, Armed mm -hmm. Forces members who took part. Yeah, it was. there were a lot of people, including other world leaders as well. Mich oh yeah, tons of yeah. world leaders. Like, uh, like I, absolutely. Like, this is almost an unofficial meeting of them, Yeah, you know, the Australian Prime Minister, uh, President Biden from the U.S., um, all kinds of, of leaders from Europe and, and well beyond. Yeah, com, com, basically anybody who's part of the Commonwealth, their uh, their their leader Absolutely. was there as well. Actually, Michelle, we have a, we have some sound here. You mentioned that Jean Chrétien uh, told some funny anecdotes yesterday. I've got a sound here of him reflecting on the Queen's legacy. It's a great example of the sense of duty and doing the job that you have to do for the public in, with great dignity. It's why she's respected in every part of the world. And U.S. President Joe Biden shared a memory of meeting the Queen. When the Queen had us to the castle for tea and we were joking crimpets, she kept offering me more. I kept eating everything she put in front of me. But uh, she was the same uh, in person as, she, as her image, decent, honorable, and all about service. It is true that if the queen puts food in front of you, it's probably best to eat it. That's generally that's generally how you should behave yourself. Yes, well played, Mr. President. Yeah, well played, Mr. President. Uh, Michelle, I, I don't know how much of this came across the wire this weekend, but I was reading a lot about it this morning, the security logistics that went into something like this with having this many world leaders here oh. and only the United States allowed to handle their own security. Everybody else, they were under Scotland Yard. I think there were a couple of other ones. Uh, there was another world leader, um, 
the, the Japanese emperor, I believe, was also able to make his own security arrangements. But yeah, by and large, most of this fell to British officials. And you're right that there was a bit of discussion about this. Uh, our reporter on the ground in London, Morgan Lowry, she's been there for the past 10 days and has been doing just great, great work. So follow her for more details. But she wrote a little bit about the security logistics. And it's just a massive operation because you're not only dealing with all the world leaders coming in, but just all the nuts and bolts of putting on an event of this magnitude. And as we've talked about, we're talking about tens of thousands of people getting involved, days worth of queues and 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 logistics of getting all these services and processions going, because there were many, many, many stops along the way here. So just an absolutely massive undertaking that was really decades in the works. They had an elaborate plan ready to go. Uh, this is not the kind of event that takes people by surprise, generally speaking, but, you know, security is a living moving target and always uh, lots to adapt to. So a huge operation that really has gone quite smoothly from where I'm sitting. Let's pull it one more thread here, Michelle, something the current Canadian Prime Minister reflected on yesterday. Justin Trudeau tossed cold water on the idea the Queen's death will change Canada's relationship with the monarchy. I know that what Canadians expect me to focus on is the economy, cost of living, inflation challenges, the housing crisis, the need to step up in the fight against climate change and create good jobs into the future, continue work on reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. These are the things that Canadians have uh, told me are their priorities. These are the things I will continue to focus on. Even at a funeral, the stump speech is uh, never too far behind. Uh, Michelle, do you expect this conversation that, that's been brambling a little bit in the last couple of days to continue in the days and weeks after the funeral or in, regard, in regards to the Canadian relationship with the Crown? To some, in some circles, definitely, I expect that to happen, but I really don't expect it. You've got me predicting, and I don't like to do that very much, but um, changing... Canada's relationship to the monarchy is a very, very procedurally fraught proposition. You'd have to have unanimous support from from the House, uh, from from Senate, I believe, as well. Uh, you're talking about reopening the Constitution, which is something that most political leaders don't want to touch. Every time we do that, something goes wrong. Yeah, so this is not an easy proposition. So if these kinds of conversations do happen, and especially in light of, of Justin Trudeau's remarks yesterday and the, the general consensus in political circles from what I've heard. I don't think there's a lot of appetite to dive in full bore to this kind of thing. So uh, it might be happening, but much more muted than than uh, perhaps someone might have been expecting. Michelle, you are officially the last word on Now with Dave Brown in regards to the Queen being put to rest. So thank you for your insight on the happenings over the course of the last couple of days. And today we appreciate it. And we'll talk to you on Friday. Thank you so much. Have a great week. That is Michelle McQuig, Weekend News Editor at the Canadian Press. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.